This morning's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 22, and reading verses 15 through to the end of verse 17. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This is the word of God. Friends, please turn with me um, again to the wonderful Gospel of Matthew. We'll be reading on from our first reading. So that will be Matthew chapter 22 and starting at verse 18 and reading through to verse 22. Let's hear from God's word. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Well, friends, as we take a closer look at God's word, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, um, we honour you now and we, our open, we open our hearts to you. Um, so that your word might be planted deep within us, uh, so that our lives would be a living sacrifice, honouring to you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In 1961, author Joseph Heller wrote a now famous book titled Catch-22. If you haven't read it, the story is about a World War II bomber pilot called John Yossarian. Anyway, as John does dangerous raid after dangerous raid, his state of mind becomes more and more fragile. Bewildered and confused, he goes to a psychiatrist for a possible discharge, only to be told about Catch-22 in the doctor's handbook. That is, any pilot requesting an evaluation about their mental state demonstrates they are of sound mind. And so pilot Eusarian discovered the fact he'd come to talk about his mental health was 100% proof there was nothing wrong with him. And so thanks to the popularity of Heller's book, the term Catch-22 was born. We now had a name for an experience we all sooner or later get hit by. You lose your glasses, you have to find them. But to find them, you need your glasses. You apply for a loan at a bank. They need a credit history, but to have a credit history, you first need a loan. Now, friends, by now I'm sure you're beginning to see the connection between these things we get hit with and the section of Scripture that we are looking at this morning. As the religious establishment hit Jesus with what they believe is the perfect, unsolvable catch-22. Look again at verse 15 as Matthew sets the scene for us. Then the Pharisees went out 
and laid plans to trap him in his words. Now, friends, if you were here last week, you'd know precisely why the Pharisees are seeking to do that. For he has just trapped them in their words, telling them a parable where they all play a starring role. It's just that they don't just quite realise it yet until it's too late. What should the landlord do with these murderous tenants? Bring those wretches to a wretched end. And Jesus is like, yes, couldn't have said it better myself. And while they stood there reeling, while they stood there seething, he then hits them with a follow-up. A king prepares a wedding banquet for his son, but the special people refuse to come. And so the invitation is withdrawn and sent to others, ordinary folk, and they jump at the chance. And then Jesus looks at the Pharisees and tells them, if any from the first guest list show up, they'll be tossed out into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so the Pharisees, having been trapped by their own words and utterly condemned by Jesus' words, go into serious damage control. And the only one around here is going to be tossed out is Jesus. But we can't touch him till the crowds turn from him to us. Chapter 21, verse 46. And so an emergency meeting is called. Come on, man, there's hundreds of us and one of him, yet he is running rings around us. So put your thinking caps on. No one's going home until we've come up with something, something that will swing that crowd, something that will stick. And sometime during that meeting, the penny drops. Indeed, friends, very likely, literally drops on the floor. And in picking it up and looking at the image, all at once they have it. They have their trap. And so with all in agreement, they then work through how to set it up and to pull the lever. And once settled on that, every detail worked out, a group is then sent out, a special hand-picked group. Have a look. They, that is the Pharisees, sent their disciples to him. Now, guys, we don't want to be too obvious here. He put egg all over our faces yesterday, so we need some fresh faces. Not only that, but look at who else they send with them. Herodians. Now, friends, as non-Jews who live 2,000 years later in a completely different context, being told that a bunch of Herodians joined the group seems to us like a little meaningless detail. But, friends, nothing could be further than the truth. And here's why. The Pharisees longed for the day when a king would rise up and liberate Israel from Roman occupation. So what did the Romans do to quell this nationalistic fervor? Well, they allowed a puppet king to reign, 
a king who supported Rome. And this king's name, of course, was Herod. The nickname given to the Jews who supported this bogus king, Herodians. And so on one side of the aisle, we have the religious purists, the Pharisees. And on the other, the religious compromisers, the Herodians. And never the twain shall meet. But not today. Today they are walking down the streets arm in arm as one, walking with purpose. And having found Jesus, that purpose is revealed, isn't it? Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Friends, as we take these words in, it's obvious, isn't it? Straight out of the gate that this is a a very carefully crafted, carefully drafted compliment. Indeed, notice how Matthew makes sure that we don't miss this. Teacher, they said. Verse 16 is communicated together by the group. And friends, hearing this come from the group, the crowd who they are trying to win would be like, wow, this is incredible. Jesus is such a fearless truth teller that even the Pharisees and Herodians are falling into line behind him. Yes, we are. But we have just one little sticking point between us that you, Jesus, as a fearless truth teller, can certainly clear up for us. Please tell us, please tell us all, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So everything goes to plan. The pin in the grenade is pulled and it lands perfectly in Jesus' lap. And friends, I still remember like yesterday when I was first grappling with with who this Jesus character truly is, picking up Matthew's gospel. And when I got to this incident, I distinctly remember it stopping me in my tracks and thinking to myself, they've got him. How on earth is Jesus going to answer that question without somehow dividing that crowd? And friends, that's before I knew anything at all about the Pharisees and the Herodians, let alone how much of a hot topic this issue was back then for everyone. I mean, to get our Aussie heads even part way around it, Try and imagine for just a moment that Australia was taken over by the Japanese in World War II. They took Darwin and just kept on going. And so today, everywhere we go, Japanese guards. The Japanese tongue is now the official language. And every day, our movements are carefully monitored, lest you be marked out as an enemy of the emperor. Speaking of which, we also now have to live under the the emperor's tax. 
a heavy, burdensome levy that basically bankrolls their evil occupation. And if all of that isn't enough, then there are the Japanians, Aussies who support them and the puppet leaders they've installed, all to gain an easier existence for themselves. Friends, if you could possibly imagine a scenario like that, then you are starting to understand what it was like to walk in first century Israelite sandals. But word is now out about this one who came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, fulfilling Zechariah's big messianic prophecy to the T. And you've heard the shouts, Hosanna to the King, to the Son of David. Could your liberation finally be at hand? And so you seek this one out, which isn't too hard. Huge crowd, wherever he goes. No space is made for you. But suddenly the crowd opens up to let a small group through. And you soon see why. Pharisees and Herodians together. How could that be? Silence immediately falls in the crowd. What is this about? And then you hear it. We agree you are a man of truth. Without fear or favor of men, you, Jesus, never lie. So please tell us, tell everyone, is it right to pay tribute to Caesar? Yes or no? And as this question lands on Jesus, everybody there instantly knows Everything hinges on his answer. But friends, what could his answer possibly be? Tip your hat to the Herodians and say, yes, pay Caesar. And this king has just bowed the knee to Rome. We may as well all go home. Hosanna to the son of David. Yeah, I don't think so. If Jesus is the true king of Israel, he simply can't say yes. But on the flip side, if he tips his hat to the Pharisees and says no, he will immediately be labelled as an enemy of the state, an insurrectionist, a nationalist seeking to ferment an uprising, something Jesus has not come to do. The question seems like the perfect Catch 22. Not even Jesus is going to be able to answer this one. But he has to. The grenade has landed in his lap and it's ticking. So with all eyes on him, Matthew continues, verse 18. Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? So before he addresses the question, he addresses them. He lets them know he's on to them, calling them out on their flattery as well as their hypocrisy. You see, Jesus doesn't carry around the hated king's coin, but look who does, the Pharisees. 
hypocrites. And so they hand him one. And Jesus holds it up and asks two questions. Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Now, friends, if I had one of these coins today, this morning, and was able to pass it around to you, you would see that on one side of the coin is a portrait of the Roman emperor Tiberius, Tiberius, similar to how the queen's head is pictured on our coins today. But unlike our coins, Tiberius's head, as Jesus mentions, is also surrounded by an inscription. And that inscription says this, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. Isn't that interesting? A coin that declares Tiberius to be the son of God. Flip the coin over and what do you know? There's the son of God sitting on his heavenly throne. But as all this is common knowledge to the crowd, they simply reply Caesar's. So then, what does the true son of God who belongs on the true throne have to say about this imposter and his coin? Well, tossing it back to its owner, Jesus simply says, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Now, friends, I mentioned before how this question stopped me in my tracks the first time I read it. Surely this bomb was impossible to handle without blowing up half the crowd and Jesus with it. But no, he dismantles it with complete ease. And witnessing it for the first time, I felt like, well, at least for just a moment, I was right there with the crowd marveling at with them at this answer, verse 22. And friends, that's before I'd actually sat down and reflected on just how much Jesus uses this gotcha question to basically pull back the curtain of human ignorance and shine heavenly truth on it. So let's look at the light he brings for just a moment. What is our obligation under God to human kings and rulers? Should we resist paying taxes, especially if their regime like Rome is occupying our country by force? Here's Jesus' answer. No matter how the king comes to power, once they're in power, its obligation under God, Romans chapter 13, is to do good for the populace. And that good is to keep order, lest the population spiral into the wild west of chaos and lawlessness. For this service, the king extracts a fee. And as Christians are not revolutionaries, well, not in the ordinary sense of the word, we should pay the king's fee. So the government's obligation is to keep order, and our obligation is to pay them for that service. So give to Caesar the coin, his coin, that allows him to do that. But, says Jesus, more importantly, most importantly, give to God what is God's. 
Well, okay, great. But what exactly is that? What does the ultimate number one ruler require? What's he after? Well, friends, just as that little piece of metal had an image inscribed on it, so do we. When I was minted, when you were minted, we were also stamped with an image. And that image, brothers and sisters, is the very image of God himself. You and I and every human being and only human beings are image bearers of the king of the universe. Having made everything else in all of creation, God then said, Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what is our obligations as one who have been stamped with God's image? Well, first up, give earthly rulers their due. Their little round bits of metal. But nothing more. The truly precious things, the things that your maker has uniquely stamped you with, your love, your gifts, your service, your praise, and your worship belong to no earthly ruler. No, the truly precious things God has endowed you with are to be lived out and lived for him and him alone. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but nothing more. Your true wealth is to be given to and for the glory of God. The benefit of giving to this king, devoting your precious things to him, eternal protection and blessing under his rule. Indeed, him sharing all that is his with you forever. A catechism number one, what is the chief end of man? To love God and enjoy him forever. Our friends, how much the crowd comp- comprehended all of that in this very moment, who can know? All we know is they were all as one amazed at Jesus' response. They stood in awe. Now, focusing on the group that came to trap him, Luke writes, astonished by his answer, they fell silent. The trappers failed. Indeed, for Jesus, it was no trap at all, but a golden opportunity to share the brilliance of who God is and who we are as his image bearers in a simple, inspired one-liner. And friends, in delivering it, Jesus reveals one more thing. No matter how many coins are in circulation, Tiberius is not the Son of God. And his place is not on the heavenly throne. Now, the true Son's name is Jesus, and that throne belongs to him and him alone. 
So why isn't Jesus seated on it? Why was the divine son who deserves all praise and all glory walking around down here in the dust and dirt and filth? Why had he chosen to deal with the likes of the Pharisees and the Herodians and the rest of us? Well, friends, because the image we bear has become so tarnished, it's useless. Paul writes, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. We may well pay our taxes. We may well pay our dues as good citizens to our earthly rulers. But we have all withheld what we as image bearers owe to the king who made us. Now those things, those precious things we talked about before have been given away to anything and everything but God. And so, friends, we are in debt. And that debt grows day by day by day. And we all know, don't we, how an earthly ruler would respond to this debt problem. So how does our heavenly ruler respond? He sends his son. Why does he send him? To call time? Time's up. The king is now calling all debts in. It's payday. No. My friends, the reason God sends his son is, is so wonderful. You need to hear it from his word, word for word. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Have a listen. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Why was Jesus off his throne? Why was he walking around down here? Friends, for one reason and one alone. To purify us. To purify us from all sins. And that purification is about to take place. Jesus will soon die condemned to death for living up to verse 16, not bowing to any men, always telling the truth, being the truth. And so Jesus died, owing no debt. And so his death, his punishment, became a payment for our debt no matter how big that debt is. Jesus' death wipes your ledger clean. In him, through faith in him, 
every single tarnish, every single blemish, every guilty stain you've accrued is paid for. Do you know this? Do you know the glorious Son who paid your debt in full so that you, purified, forgiven and restored, can give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but with thanksgiving and joy, give to God what is God's. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we stand in awe at the, um, at the wonder of Jesus' wisdom, his ability to answer not just this seemingly impossible question, but all the questions he was, that was thrown at him. But most of all, Father, we marvel and wonder at what the true King, the true Son came to do for us to fully and completely pay for our debt that we might be completely and fully redeemed and brought back to you. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this passage in Scripture that reminds us of this incredible, wonderful, blessed truth implanted deeply in us, Lord so that we might fulfill our obligations, not just to heaven, uh, to earthly rulers, but to you, the wonderful heavenly ruler who sent your son to save us. And we pray these things in his precious and glorious name. Amen.